All right, if you have your Bibles, open up to Philippians chapter number 4, as we've been looking at the joy we find in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter number 4. And as we look at this passage, it's the, um, the famous verse, I could say it that way, Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, a very well-known verse, and yet uh, a verse that should be uh, helpful and a blessing and an encouragement to us this evening as we think about joy. And as we look at this verse, Philippians chapter 4, we'll, we'll take our text there in verse 1 and we'll read down to 4 uh, and read that, that passage there. The Bible says, I'll read out loud and you can follow along, of course. It says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. As we read that uh, passage and that verse, of course, uh, it's interesting. Look, and I always like reading and coming across the verse that is well known and quoted, and and then looking at the context of where it comes into play and uh, and why he says what he does. And uh, it's interesting looking at this passage as we'll look at it this evening and kind of. Uh, figure out where he comes from to get to the point that he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice because he covers quite a bit of information there. And uh, before we get started, let's go ahead and go to the, the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, again for the opportunity that we have to gather in your house. God, I pray that you'd use me. God, I pray that you'd speak through me. God, thank you for each person that is uh, here this evening, Father, and has taken time out of their schedule, Father, to listen to your word. God, I pray that you would bless and encourage and help and strengthen each Christian and each believer. Father, whether they've called in or they're online or they're here, uh, God, I pray that you would bless them. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Before I get started, actually, I want to say this. I always, I always have something I want to say, and I, I get up here and I go straight to my message and my, pa- my, my passage. But uh, I did want to say this. This is a blessing and a praise. Uh, I saw in the news that the Supreme Court uh, did reverse the, the rulings in California. As you know, many churches were not, to, were not allowed to worship in buildings. Uh, and they reversed that and said, no, they can worship in building. They did leave them a limited at 25% capacity, but hey, that's being better than out in the parking lot, amen? Especially in February and maybe the Northern California, probably not Southern, it's probably not so much of a problem, but uh, uh, that is a blessing. That is something that we've been, uh, we've mentioned, well, we mentioned a whole lot more back in uh, November in that time frame, but, uh, but that is an answer to prayer. Uh, and that is a praise. So I thank the Lord for that. As we look at our passage here, though, in Philippians chapter 4, uh, and we get into this idea of rejoice always, Paul has come back and, and, he's go, and he goes to the idea of unity again. We kind of get the idea, though, 
Philippians and the church at Philippi was not necessarily known for its division like the church at Corinth was. The church at Corinth was definitely a divided church and definitely with a lot of problems. Uh, but anytime you get uh, two people together, there is potential for division. There's potential for disagreements. There's potential for uh, some kind of problem. Uh, you know, most people when they get married, they say, oh, we're not going to fight. And, uh, and, and we're, you know, it's not going to happen. We're going to have the perfect marriage. And, and, uh, and I just here to tell you, it hasn't happened yet. Okay? Uh, because when you have two people that are imperfect uh, and they come together in, in matrimony, uh, you know, it might be smooth sailing for a little bit, but at some point, somebody's going to get upset. It just happens. And, it, and you're married to each other, so how much more in a church setting where we are brought together uh, under the bonds of unity of Jesus Christ, there's still potential for disunity. And so uh, I want us to understand that in this passage that unity causes joy. Uh, when people unite for a common cause and see something accomplished, it is joyous, it is a joyous occasion. And when people divide... It is not a joyous occasion, uh, but rather a strenuous and difficult time. Most people don't just walk away. Uh, there's, if there's some kind of fight or there's some kind of disagreement, the division usually is a harsh division, and there's a problem there. And so as we look at this passage, I want us to notice first and foremost what Paul says in verse number 1. He says in Philippians 4.1, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. Stand fast in the Lord. The first thing that we have to, be, uh, we have to do is to stand fast or establish ourselves in the Lord. He goes there in verse number one, he says, therefore, and we've always looked at that and said, hey, whatever, whenever you see a therefore, you need to look and say, hey, what is that therefore? Uh, and so you go back in context and you look at that and look at it with me in chapter three in verse number 17, just back a few verses. And Paul is admonishing the brethren there in Philippi and he says, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. And Paul is telling them that, uh, listen, there are faithful examples to be followed. Uh, Paul says, he tells them right there in, in verse 17, he says, hey, follow me but then also mark those uh, who would be good examples and follow them. Uh, and there are faithful people. Uh, listen, there are faithful Christians down through the years. There's, it's always an encouragement. It's always been an encouragement to me to see Christians who are just faithful. They're serving God. There's no question in your mind where they're going to be uh, because if they're not in church, man, you, you kind of like, wait a minute, I would better call them. They're probably in the hospital. There's probably something bad wrong with them. I, I'm grateful that I've grown up. My dad was uh, in the military. And, uh, and I know to this day people that I, I did not know them real well when I was little. I mean, when I was, you know, really little. But I can tell you that to this day, um, they're still in church. 
And they're faithful. They're serving God. One of the greatest joyous occasions I had in traveling as a missionary would be to go back to some of those churches uh, that I went to as I was young and, and see some of those people still in church, still serving the Lord and still doing the things uh, that they, they used to do so long ago and, and just remaining faithful. And Paul is saying that, listen, there are faithful people. And they're an encouragement and they're a blessing to us because they're standing as pillars, uh, standing there in the church. Turn back with me in Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 1. Paul gives us three names of three people that were faithful, that were followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, Paul mentions, he says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. Now, Timotheus uh, was, Timothy, of course, uh, was Paul's son in the faith, is what Paul would call him. And, and Paul says here, he says, hey, he was a servant of God. And when he would mention some examples, he would say, hey, look, Timothy's a good fellow. Look with me in Philippians 2 and verse number 19. He mentions Timothy again. He says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. In other words, he's saying, look at Timothy is a good man. And, uh, and he's somebody that you could uh, see as an ensample that would walk, would, would follow the Lord and that you could say, hey, you know what? That guy's, that guy's a good guy. And I can follow him. The Bible says here in verse number 19, or verse number 20, he says, I have no man who is like-minded who will naturally care for your state. In other words, Timothy was a very compassionate man. He was a very uh, helpful, genuine person to help others. And, and for some people that may come easier than other people, but Timothy had this quality. And, and Paul would say, hey, look at Timothy. He's a good fellow. Not only Timothy, but uh, Epaphroditus. You remember in Philippians chapter number 2, verses 25 down through 30. We'll not look there for sake of time. Uh, but, but you remember there. Look at with me in verse number 25. We'll read that verse. The Bible says in Philippians 2.25, Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. And so we find that Epaphroditus was somebody that Paul would say, hey, he's, a, uh, he's a, a, a person that is serving the Lord who is faithful. Matter of fact, he came from Philippi and he went to, to the Rome where Paul was in jail and he ministered unto Paul. And Paul spoke very highly of him. And he said at the end of that verse, he said, hey, when you, uh, when you get Epaphroditus there, uh, that you hold him in respect. In other words, just like in 17 uh, of chapter 3, he's saying, hey, you can mark him which walks as ye have us for an ensample. In other words, you can pay attention to Epaphroditus. You can pay attention to Timothy. These are fellows who are serving the Lord. Look at verse number 3 of chapter 4, Philippians 4, 3. And he names us the third person. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement. Now there were women that were helping, and he did not name them, uh, but there certainly were women. But then there was Clement as well. Clement, Clement, I don't know how to pronounce his name. 
learning a, learning a second language, and then a third, it taught me how to pronounce words in ways that you never even thought of before. And every time, uh, everyone knows this road out here, um, Genoa. Uh, and I always say it, because in, in Italian, it's Genoa. And so it's the exact same spelling, but a different way of emphasizing. So I, I mess up names really bad, and I mess up Bible names just as bad. Uh, so I don't know if it's Clement, Clement. Clement, I think that's how you would say it in English. Um, but uh, uh, So he says Clement is a fellow that, uh, hey, he's his fellow laborer, he calls him. Uh, and, and he says he's a good witness. And so Paul is ad- admonishing them, he's encouraging them, hey, find people who are faithful and, uh, and listen, uh, you can mark them and say, you know what, I want to follow the Lord like they're following the Lord. Not only the faithful, as we think about standing for God, as, we, as he said there in verse number 1, uh, stand fast um, in the Lord, but also, listen, there were failures or fallen people. Look with me at verse number 18, because we're going back to what he was referring to. In verse number 18, he says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Not only do we have the faithful that he says, hey, you ought to mark them and you ought to uh, and, and respect them and follow them and, and look up to them, but then he says, listen, there's the fallen. Listen, there's people, uh, I, I look back over my youth, I look back to people who are even in Bible college, and this day they're not serving the Lord. And you know what? That does not joy me. That does not bring me joy. Matter of fact, it saddens my heart. Just like the Apostle Paul, when he says, listen, I've told you before, and I'll tell you even now, weeping. Listen, when a Christian falls, uh, it, it's, it, should, it ought to sadden our heart. It saddened Paul's heart. It was something that was sad. It was something that was uh, not right. And look at what he says about them. He says, whose end, in verse number 19, is their destruction. And he gives a description of who they are, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame. In other words, they're people who are walking away because they're more interested in their self. In other words, uh, maybe, maybe it was materialism. Maybe it was buying the finer foods. Maybe it was this or that, that that got them away from God. But whatever the means or whatever the reason, they got away from God. Maybe it was their glory and their pride got in their way. And, uh, and they wanted to glorify self. But in the end of it, he says in verse number 19, who mind earthly things. May we take that as a warning to ourselves to not be fallen Christians by not minding earthly things, but keeping our mind and our focus stayed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because those are the ones who are uh, oftentimes fall. And it is a sadness. It's not something that we ought to be... Uh, be happy about obviously as Paul would say here hey he says I'm sad about it and they've become the enemies of the cross of Christ and so we find in verse number one of chapter four Philippians 4 1 therefore my brethren dearly beloved and so longed for my joy and crown so stand fast in the Lord in other words we ought to establish ourselves. In the Lord, turn back with me to Philippians chapter one and verse twenty-seven. He said in in uh, in another part, it's he's it's not um, 
that he would repeat himself in the book of Philippians. And he does. Look at Philippians 1.27. Look at what he says there. He says, only let your conversation, that word conversation is not strictly speaking of dialogue, but rather uh, lifestyle. It's an old English word. That's one of the definitions of conversation. It's your lifestyle. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And so it's something that he's repeated throughout this book, and I think it's something that is very important and critical for us to understand as Christians that, hey, we need to stand fast for the Lord. That idea of standing fast, I think I've talked about it before, but the idea is uh, being firmly grounded and not moving, not being a, a person that is uh, given to change or somebody that would, uh, he describes it in another place, uh, somebody that's, that's being swayed by every wind of doctrine that may come along and, and somebody would say, well, I'm going to follow it. Well, that sounds interesting. I'm, off they go down that beaten path. Well, here's another doctor. Off they go down that beaten path. And somebody who's uh, unstable and not sure where they're at. And Paul is saying, listen, you need to stand fast and be firm in your faith. He repeats that in, in verse 27 and here in chapter 4 in verse number 1. And his focus, as he says this, so stand fast in the Lord. Listen, the Lord has got to be the focus for everything that we do. We've got to keep our eyes focused on the Lord. Uh, it's important throughout our Christianity. Uh, and, and he goes on in verses uh, chapter 3 and verse 20 as he describes that. Look at what he says in verse 20 of chapter 3, the chapter just before it. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. And I'm glad that God changes our body. I'm glad that God changes our person. I'm glad that God continues to work on us. I was reminded last week uh, of the song, He's Still Working on Me. And listen... He ought to still be working on us. As long as we're alive, as long as we've been in church, Paul said in chapter 3, he said, I have not attained. This is the Apostle Paul. This is, in my mind, that is like in humanity, that's at the top of the charts. I don't know somebody more spiritual, more dedicated than the Apostle Paul. And he said, I have not attained. You know what he was saying? I still have room to grow. I still have reason for, uh, for the Lord to work in my life and to continue to uh, mold me and, and cause me to be a better Christian. And so if the Apostle Paul would say that, yikes, I count myself down here. We're, way, we're, we're so far from the Apostle Paul uh, that, man, we all have room to grow. There's none of us who have attain, attained even unto the level that the Apostle Paul has. And so our focus has got to be placed on the Lord. And listen, that's what Jesus does in our life. He wants to change us. He wants to help us. We need to stand for God. Verse number 1. Not only must we stand for God, but look in verse number 2. And he comes into something that's interesting, and we have very little information here about the whole of it. But look at what he says in chapter 4 and verse number 2. I beseech Eodius and beseech 
Sintiki, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, Yodius and Sintiki are, uh, are, are women's names, and, uh, and so these are women that are there in, in the church in Philippi. And I, I'll be honest with you, names, sometimes uh, it's hard to understand what gender they are, especially in a foreign language. And so these are probably Greek names or uh, names at least that we're not familiar with. They're not your typical American names. I mean, you don't see them running around in school. I didn't go to school with any Yodiuses and any Sintikis. Maybe you did, but I didn't. And so, uh, but these are women there that, that were there in the church. And I want you to notice that Paul was burdened about this disagreement or variance that existed between Yodius and Syntyche. Now, we don't have any mention of them in the Bible apart from this chapter right here. And uh, matter of fact, one of the commentators, uh, he, he recommended, he said, he said maybe uh, they would have been more appropriate to name them uh, odious and soon touchy. Uh, I don't know, you know, but, uh, but we do know that there was some kind of variance and there was a disagreement. So look at what Paul said to him in verse number two. He said, I beseech Yodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, Paul is, is publicly calling them out for their disagreement. I kind of always had a rule of thumb, in my mind at least, that a public argument requires a public apology. You get in a knockdown, drag-out fight with somebody, and, uh, and, and there's a big crowd around, then that's the crowd you need to apologize to. You have a private argument between two people, then you need to go apologize to that person that you had an argument with. That's just kind of uh, the, the idea that I've had. But one thing that we do understand and we do know, uh, so I tend to think that this, this disagreement that took place at Philippi was probably a pretty open discussion. It may have been an ongoing issue at the church at Philippi where Iodius and Syntyche uh, had a problem with one another. And maybe it was well known between people. Sometimes that happens, and sometimes uh, that takes place. It, it obviously was a problem there at the church at Philippi. So much so that Paul wrote about it. And, uh, and listen, divisions and disputes can infect a whole congregation. Matter of fact, John Phillips wrote this. He said, one content... Uh, John Phillips wrote it, okay? I didn't write it. I'm just quoting it. One contentious and angry woman is enough to disrupt a house... Two are enough to play havoc with the whole house of God. Well, that's interesting. And there's a lot of truth to that. The fact of the matter is, there was two women in this church who had some kind of variance or some kind of disagreeance, and, uh, and it became a problem so much so that the Apostle Paul wrote it out, out, out and sent it to the church and said, hey, these two parties need to make amends, and they need to get things right. Uh, turn with me to, to Proverbs chapter number 6. Save your spot in Philippians as we'll be back there, but Proverbs chapter number 6. I know I've referred to this passage before, but it's always good for us to look at it. Proverbs chapter number 6. And verse number 12. Proverbs chapter number 6 and verse number 12. And there's a whole passage here, and the Bible says this, a naughty person, in, in Proverbs chapter number 6 and verse number 12, a naughty person, a wicked man, 
walketh with a froward mouth. He winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, he teacheth with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. And then the last part, he soweth discord. Now discord would be uh, striking two people or pitting two people against one another. And so this fellow that's a, a naughty person, the Bible would call them, would sow discord. Continue with me in verse number 15. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly, suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. Then verse 16, these six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. In other words, these are six things, these are seven things really, that you really ought to pay attention to because they are at the top of God's list. God hates them. The Bible's very clear about that. Look at what they're listed there in verse number 16, uh, verse number 17. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief. Verse 19, a false witness that speaketh lies, and, and the seventh one is he that soweth discord among the brethren. And as we're thinking about this idea of Yodius and Syntyche, uh, listen, uh, there's, it's very easy when there, is di- when there is division in a church for one to sow discord against the other. And it's not right. And we need to understand that, uh, listen, it is, it is never wrong to talk about, some- or it's never right to talk about somebody else. I've often heard it said, if you want to talk to somebody, uh, then you get down on your knees and you call their name in prayer and you talk to the Lord with that, about that person. And there was some kind of division and we don't know what it is. Like I said, the Bible doesn't mention. You can look up Yodius and Syntyche. They're not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. I'm assuming that they got it right and went forward and everything was good. Uh, or, or perhaps something else happened. We don't know. But I do know this, uh, that if we're not careful with division, it will, it will set down inside of us and become a problem that will continue for some time. And Yodius and Syntyche had this problem, and we don't know what it was. Maybe they couldn't even talk to each other. Maybe it was, uh, man, they would just kind of avoid each other and, and, and go around and, and not talk to each other. Maybe it was a, a verbal outbreak that took place. We don't know exactly, but one thing we do know is that the church at Philippi was well aware of this division. Paul was aware of it as well. Perhaps... Epaphroditus told Paul about it when he went there. We don't know. But it was a problem. I want you to notice this about Yodius and Syntyche. Look with me at verse number 3. I'm assuming that verse 3 is in reference to Yodius and Syntyche. He says, and, in, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and with, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. I want you to understand this about Yodius and Syntyche, that uh, I think that Paul was mentioning that because Paul thought they were saved. They were saved. Uh, he does not cast doubt on their salvation. And, and listen, he's very clear about that. He says, whose names are written in the book of life. In other words, hey, they have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes saved individuals do struggle to get along. Uh, Turn with me to Acts chapter number 16. 
Acts chapter number 16. And Acts chapter number 16 is when Paul had been at Philippi and had been preaching the gospel there in, 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 in Philippi. And I want you to see who, the people that were saved there. It's interesting to revisit this story and it helps us understand what was taking place. Acts chapter number 16 and verse number 13, the Bible says this, And on the Sabbath day we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. In other words, there was this nice river, and perhaps it was a quiet, nice, calm setting where they could go and they could sit, and, uh, and they would just sit there and pray. And perhaps the women came, maybe they came to wash clothes or uh, they came there to draw water from the river, we don't really know, uh, but they would go there. And as the women would go there, the, the Apostle Paul would start to witness to them and talk to them. Look at verse number 14. And a certain widow, or a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel passed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So what happened is Paul was there at the river and he was witnessing to all everyone that would come there. And, uh, and people were starting to get saved. And Lydia heard the gospel and she gave her life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And she was baptized right then and there. And the Bible says, and her house. And she said, listen, why don't you come to my house and I'll feed you. And listen, I've got a spare room. You guys can stay there and you can base your mission work out of my house. So Lydia kind of adopts them. And as they're going back and forth from Lydia's house and to the water place, there's this uh, lady that, uh, that's really demon-possessed. And look at what happens in verse 17. The same followed Paul and, and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her, out the same hour. And this lady, who was demon-possessed, uh, was changed that day. Listen, that demon left her. I just happen to think that she probably got saved. We don't have a good record. We don't know for sure. But uh, I think she got saved. Uh, Lydia got saved in her household. The Philippian jailer, you remember that Paul was thrown in jail then. And, uh, and at midnight he sang, he sang praises to God. And, and, uh, and, and an earthquake took place. And, and, and all the jail cell doors were open. And the Philippian jailer was just about to take his own life. And Paul said, do thyself no harm for we're all here. And that Philippian jailer got saved, and his wife. And these are the people that were gathered together there at Philippi. And that you could see how there would be many ladies there. And, uh, and, and because of the, they started there by the river, and those people had gotten saved. And so there was many that labored there in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I think that, hey, Yodius and Syntyche definitely were saved ladies at that church. Not only were they saved, but it seems to indicate in the passage in verse number 3 that they were serving the Lord. And so I want you to understand and realize they were saved and they were serving 
But verse number 2 would clearly tell us they were not of the same mind. There was a problem that had taken place. And Paul is letting us know that, hey, we have got to be of the same mind. There has to be unity. One of the commentators wrote it this way, Paul certainly did not mean by that they had to think alike in everything or see all things from the same standpoint. That would have been asking for the impossible, but the very possession of mind which distinguishes men from animals gives occasion for differences of judgment and so calls for much patience. No two people ever see the same rainbow. The slightest difference of position gives each a view at a different angle. The formation and contour of the eyes also affect the view. One person may be able to discern every distinct shade, while another person may be colorblind. No amount of argument or persuasion will enable the person, the second person, to see what is so clear to the first. Sometimes we see things from different angles. If you stand in one spot and you're looking at something, you might see something, and if somebody else is standing in a different spot, they're going to see it at a different angle, and and there's going to be differences and variances of opinion. And Paul is not saying that, hey, we all must share the exact same opinion. No, but he's saying we have to have the same mind and the same goal that we're working toward. We will have differences of opinions. We will have differences of viewpoints. We will have differences in some areas. But we do need to be unified. And let me just say this, uh, because this is really important. Unity is not the same as conformity. Conformity demands that you be like this. Unity says we all want to be the same, unified for the cause of Christ. Not that we want to be the same, the exact same, We're not conforming. Uh, We are to be conformed to the image of Christ, uh, but we are to be unified together. And there's a difference between those two things. Listen, division will cause people to do crazy stuff. South Korea and North Korea have been divided for years, obviously, since the, uh, the, the Korean conflict, or maybe even before that. Uh, but there's a, uh, joint, uh, there's a joint security area where they negotiate. It's between North Korea and South Korea, and there's an area that they actually demilitarized, and, and they, would, they would meet there, and, and there's a uh, part of it's on the north, and part of it's on the south, and there's a building right there in the middle, and there's kind of a line, at least that was described to me, that runs right down the middle of the room, and, and the north enters from their side, and they stay on their side, and the south enters from their side, and they stay on their side, and those two will work out negotiation. My brother was in the army and so he did time in, in Korea and he said, I've been in that room when they were doing negotiations. He said, it's one of the most tense rooms I've ever been in in my life. He said, you, you don't understand what is going on and the tensity because of the divide is so great that, that you never know if, if war is going to break out right in that room while they're negotiating. He said, it's just tense to be there. I was just looking it up. I was just curious about it. And, and, uh, and actually in 1984, uh, a defector uh, who wanted to leave North Korea and wanted to go into South Korea and wanted to be free, uh, he decided he worked his way up and, uh, to a place where he would actually get an opportunity to work in that joint uh, security area. And while he was there working, he had already planned it out in his mind, as soon as I get an opportunity, man, I am running for the South. 
And so he did that day. He took off. Uh, he got an opportunity as he was standing at the corner of a building and, and he ran for the south so that he could get away from the north. And as he ran uh, the north, the soldiers, of course, chased after him to try and catch him and bring him back to the north. They didn't want anyone leaving uh, the north and going to the south. And, and so uh, they started to chase after him, but he had such a lead that the, the soldiers started to draw their guns and started to fire at him. And of course... They're in a demilitarized area, and, and so uh, the north starting to fire into the south uh, spurred a war that took place for 45 minutes as the south returned fired on the north soldiers. And they ended up stopping, and the defector had ended up making it, and they actually uh, ended up uh, de-escalating the situation, and there were men who died during that short conflict of 45 minutes, uh, but uh, uh, that fellow did make it to safety. And what I'm saying is, listen, in a moment of division, sometimes people don't think straight. And gunfire can be drawn up really quick. I mean, one guy fleeing out of the country spurred a war that took place for 45 minutes between the two sides and, and, and countless afterwards as the news agencies throughout North Korea said that the South Koreans had kidnapped one of their people and rescued them and brought them back. And, and of course, the South Koreans would say something else and there was a war of words and tension would continue. Why? Because of division. Listen, the church house, in, 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 in essence, is kind of like that joint security area. But listen, we ought not have that tension. We ought to have unity under the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to be able to unify in those things. What causes divisions? Listen, divisions come from harboring hurt feelings instead of forgiving. We won't turn there for sake of time, but in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 15, the Bible says this, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Bitterness is something that grows deep down in. The Bible describes it as a root. You ever gone out and uh, pulled weeds out of your garden? Sometimes when you go to pull weeds, you know, only the leaf comes off and that root stays down in there. And, and if you don't get that root, it's going to continue. It's going to come back. And you go out and you pull those leaves off again, and next week, man, there's new leaves. And you're like, man, those we the weeds are stubborn. No, there's a root that's down in there that you have to get down in, and you have to dig it out, and you have to eliminate that root, because if you don't, it will continue to stay in there. And the Bible describes that root of bitterness in our own lives that, that uh, you would say would the feelings, maybe you could curb your feelings of anger frustration or hurt, uh, and that would be like pulling the leaf off, but that, that root is still down in there. And given the right amount of rain and the right amount of sunshine, that leaf's going to come right back because there's a root of bitterness that is buried inside of your life that will not be uh, erased until you learn to forgive. We need to be careful as we look at Philippians 4.2, Paul is beseeching Yodius and he's beseeching Syntyche that they be of the same mind, that they get rid of the root of bitterness that was between them and that they would forgive one another. And listen, once they have done that, then in verse number 4, then he says, rejoice in the Lord always. 
And again, I say rejoice. Listen, we need to stand fast in the Lord. And then secondly, we need that we have to be of the same mind. And then we can rejoice in the Lord. There shouldn't be any tension. There should be forgiveness. I mean, Jesus talked about forgiveness. That is the gospel. The gospel is based on forgiveness. I have a book in my office. I've read it years ago. And listen, people, people deal with bitterness on a regular basis. But this guy wrote a book, and it's entitled Help Out of the Hole of No Hope. And he gives story after story after story of Christians who maybe they have been maimed by an accident and a drunk driver hit them. And for the rest of their life, everything that they do is ten times more difficult than, they've, than you and I have. And he says they learn to forgive people they had to because if they did not, their life would be a bitter mess. Listen, maybe somebody's hurt you in some way. Maybe somebody's caused you harm in some way. Listen, if you don't forget that person, they're gone. It's not going to bother them. They're going to sleep every single night. They're never going to even think about it. They probably don't even know that it bothers you, to be honest with you. But you, you'll hold it in there. And it will be a root of bitterness, and it will ruin your life if you don't learn to forgive and say, God, it's yours. And you let go of that bitterness and you say, I'm telling you, after you do that, you can have joy in your life and you can rejoice. If you keep holding on to it, it's going to be a grudge that will hurt you the rest of your life. And so Paul is admonishing both Yodius and Syntyche. Hey, don't begrudge one another. Don't harbor ill feelings. Don't harbor uh, hatred towards one another. But have the same mind and be unified under the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and then you can rejoice in the Lord always. What a blessing to see just those passages. And though we don't know much about Syntyche and Eudeus, you probably didn't even know their name before tonight. But listen... After we get all that taken care of, man, we can rejoice in the Lord. We can have joy in our spirit. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. God, I pray that you'd help us to be people of forgiveness. God, as you've forgiven us, Father, if we look at what truly you've forgiven us, Help us to forgive. Maybe it's somebody in this room. Maybe it's somebody in our past. Maybe it's somebody that's maybe not even here anymore. Maybe we're even harboring bitterness or hard feelings against you, God. God, help us to get that root out. Oh, it'll be, it'll be messy. It won't be easy. But God, with your help and with your strength, we can overcome. We can conquer every feeling. And God, I pray that you'd help us to be people 
that are forgiven by you first and foremost. And we'd be practicing forgivers who would forgive other people and not harbor ill feelings towards anyone. And God, for your sake, for the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, may we live as Christians who can forgive one another, forgive the world, forgive the wrong that maybe is brought against us. I pray, Father, that you'd help us with that, that we can have the joy of the Lord in our life because we practice forgiveness as you've practiced forgiveness towards us. God, I ask all this in your precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As the piano begins to play, God's spoken to your heart.